This is Sports Best, as so rated by my seven-year-old son, Bobby. He is the one and only Andrew Keller, once a five-star recruit out of the great state of Texas. And I'm Larry Olson, and I actually only ever wish to be a two-star recruit. Hello, Andrew. I was a five-star recruit, and you know what? To find more out about our show, you can visit us at repostedpodcast.com slash sports best. Please click subscribe, follow us, check us out. We'll be here every week for you guys. You know, if there was a six-star recruit, you would have been that, Andrew. I promise you. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, we only cover the best of sports here on the show, and that's because there are so many other places that you can get the worst. Like, I mean, you could go to a gazillion places and get the worst, Andrew. I thought today we would start with word association. I'm going to say a word. You just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. All right, let's do it. All right. Here's the first word. Well, it's actually initials. UFC. UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Okay. Well, you just took the initials, but okay. You're supposed to say something <laughs> like punching, kicking. Uh, unsanctioned fights. Okay. Very good. Very good. Your next word, Rams. Rams. Uh, utility truck. Doing hard work. <laughs> um, last one is golfing. Arnold Palmer. Okay. Or maybe a John Daly if you're uh, after 5 p.m. So, wait a minute. A John Daly is uh, Arnold Palmer with vodka. Is that what that is? I think so. Vodka okay. or gin. Ooh, that, yeah, okay. Let the show uh, be Ar- gin. <laughs> Very good. You know, last week we mentioned we were going to kind of follow the KBO, the Korean baseball organization because we don't have baseball yet when we get real baseball not that kbo is not real baseball but when we get american baseball we'll stop this but mm-hmm. i thought it would just be fun to kind of keep everybody updated about what's going on in korea all right mm-hmm. so the that. nc dinos are atop the league at eight and one mm-hmm. the nc dinos you familiar with them yep they're not the team you picked they're not the team i picked the team that i picked is the kia tigers the yankees of the kbo they sit at four and three the mm-hmm. lg twins your team Sits at five and three. So you're game better than me, Andrew. I love it. Okay. I thought it would be fun to do this. I'm going to pick it three different names from your team, the LG Twins, every week. And you tell me what is who the person, the name that I'm going to give you is not on the team. All right. So I'm going to give you three names. Two of them are on the LG Twins. Tell me the one that is not on the LG Twins. Are you ready? All right. Yeah. Let's do okay, it. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Chan Wu Chan. Wait a minute. Cha Wu Chan. Uh-huh. Tyler Wilson. Daniel De Kim. So which uh, one of those three is not on the LG Twins? Daniel Day-Kim sounds like a takeoff of Daniel Day-Lewis, and uh, maybe he's method acting, getting ready for a, a role, but I'm going to say Daniel Day-Kim is not on the LG Twins. Correct. He's the actor in Lost. Oh. <laughs> remember the, yeah, you remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, I do. So okay. I'm, I'm curious, when are we going to – is it at the end of the season we're going to get the man rub if uh, the LG Twins best your KTs? Well, listen, you could request your man rub anytime after the season, I think. I mean, you could okay. save it for a little bit, like for Christmas, if that's what you want for your – but, yeah, I think sometime after the, you know, season. Okay, yeah, maybe we go out to the House of Prime Rib in San Francisco, get a steak, and uh, get a man rub. This is – this is, just keeps getting better. Yes. God, thank you for the pandemic so we can follow the KBO and make bets. I love it. All right. Along with camel racing in Beirut, sumo wrestling in Japan, and professional chess in Russia – we have actual live sports in the U.S. Did you know that, Andrew? I was hoping it was true. I've heard rumors, but what, what are we looking at? It's called the UFC, as you mentioned earlier, the Ultimate Fighting Challenge. They held their second fight in less than five days on Wednesday. They held uh-huh. it in an empty arena in Jacksonville. Did you see the fight at all? I saw the highlights of it. I didn't watch it live. Um, there was a bunch of different fights, but there was like two main fights. And uh-huh. one of the co-headlining fights was between this guy, 
Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith. Yeah. This fight was ridiculous, right? Because Anthony Smith basically got pummeled. He got pummeled for five rounds. And I'm watching this fight. And at one particular point, Anthony Smith is getting pummeled by this guy, Glover, Mm. and his teeth pop out. (laughs) No joke. Literally punched his teeth out. He's still getting punched. He has the foresight to reach down, grab his teeth, and hand it to the ref while he's getting punched to save his teeth. So the ref actually took the teeth. I don't know if he gave it back to him at the end of the fight. But you're getting punched, and you have the foresight to just remember to, hey, someone save my teeth. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's nuts. Like, I can't – at what point do you quit? I mean (laughs) – I think there was some criticism coming out, out from his, his corner saying yes, they should have yes. thrown in the towel for him, but, but they didn't. Yes. I guess uh, maybe they were thinking pain is temporary, but quitting lasts forever. So I just want to mention this, and I th- this was a good time to do it. If we're ever in a bar fight together and someone uh-huh. punches my teeth in, that's the point you should give in for me. You should be like, hey, he's had enough. I've, uh, I've thrown in the towel for someone before. In college, we had fight night. It was like sanctioned boxing, and uh, <laughs> I threw in the towel. I was like, he's... <laughs> I uh I convinced everyone that one of my friends from high school should uh, fight, and I I told everyone he was a Golden Glove fighter in Texas, and he wasn't, and uh, we threw in the towel. So I am quick to throw in the towel for you, Larry. Did, did you like? Did he? Did he? Was he angry after the event? Said like, why'd you do that? I had him right where I wanted him. Uh, no, he he knew he knew he was done. <laughs> he was boxing against someone that was trained, and uh, Ooh. there's a big difference when you know how to fight versus not. I've always said, like, if you have a bunch of friends, you should at some particular point throw on the gloves and just go mm-hmm. for it. Like, really big, heavy gloves so you can't, like, count yes. each other. But, like, you know what? Like, I should be boxing Kirk, right? There's no reason yeah. I shouldn't do that. You should box me. No, 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 no. You're too big. You're a five-star <laughs> recruit. I don't think we should box. Like, you should – well, I was going to say maybe you and Brandon should fight. Oh. No, 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 no. You know what? Be you, you and Barry would be a good fight. Okay. Well, I'll look into getting some gloves. Maybe – I don't know if they make 18 or 20 ounce, but we'll do that. Okay, Andrew, I always love, love, love when teams change their uniforms. You're mm-hmm. an LAN. Is that, is that mm-hmm. the right way to say that? An LAN? Los Angelino. Los Angelino. What is going on with the Rams? Well, I'm glad you asked that. The day has finally arrived. Two years ago, the Rams made an announcement they were going to have a big change through their new uniforms, and the day is here. And I guess in the spirit of taking their time, they are the seventh team in the NFL to actually reveal a new look for the new season. And it's coincidentally been, or not coincidentally, it has been 17 years since they've done an overhaul in their look. And I don't know. I, I think it's cool. I think Oregon kind of started this whole change in uniforms trend and kind of getting it. Personally, I, I'm more of the school of like, let's, let's keep it traditional. Like the Cowboys or Notre Dame. What do you think about the new uniform? Have you seen it? Well, Listen, here's the th- I think that's funny you mentioned the Cowboys. Like, imagine if the Cowboys changed their uniform. Like, peep the, the world would come to an end. I mean, it's pretty much coming to an end now. Cowboys mm-hmm. changed their uniform. It, there would be dire consequences. Yeah, the sign of the apocalypse is upon us. Yes. Then, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, uniform changes that have meaning, I think, are cool. The LSU football team, I don't know if you know this, won their first NCAA football championship in 1958. And in honor of that, in 2012, they debuted their number 58 font for their jerseys. And basically, the jersey numbers are angled at the corners at 58 degrees. I think stuff like that is like subtle. You don't notice it, but I think it's cool when they do those types of things. And I think the Rams did they drawing do it out for two years is... Uh, did, they, did they have a 58 degree? Did they do some sort of meaningful to their uniforms? The Rams? Yeah. No. I think... <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. 
I think one of their saving graces is they announced a while ago what their new logo was going to be, and everyone hated it. But now that you see it on the helmet, it actually does look pretty cool. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the Rams are going to do with it. You know, I think it's in this age that we live in, if something, somebody does something new, like a mm-hmm. newscaster gets a haircut or someone paints right. their house, everybody has an opinion. I think that's yeah. the, like with the Rams, like everybody and their mother had an opinion on the new look of the Rams. Because, well, everyone has more time to look at stuff right now. And it's uh, just everybody, everybody calm down. You know, my favorite, my favorite comment about the Rams. I mean, they're basically still the same color. It's like yellow and blue, I think. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite comment on Twitter was someone said, they're suited up for, to go to an, a rally at Ikea because the Rams <laughs> colors are very similar to Ikea's colors. <laughs> yeah. It seems like they would announce it like roll them out on the first day of their new stadium. Yeah. But I guess they want their fans to wear the jerseys. So good on them. Uh, good the Rams, on them. They're making moves. All right. So the NFL has released its full 2020 schedule. How many games do you think are in an NFL season, Andrew? Well, I think there would be 16. But what are they doing? Are they, no, no, they no. Full, like, with all of the teams. Like, all of the regular season games. What's the total number? Oh, of I don't know. 341. It's 256. 256. Okay. All right. So they're saying that the NFL season is going to begin on time. But Joe Buck, I don't know if you know him. He's the Fox Sports announcer guy. Mm-hmm. He is theorizing that there's going to be no fans in stadiums. So it's going to be the, the games and nobody's going to be, no fans will be there. And it's going to seem really weird. So the TV telecasts, the, the bigwigs are going to add some things to make these telecasts seem a little bit normal. They're going to virtually add fans to, sta- to seats and they're going to pump in crowd noise so that it doesn't seem weird. I, w- I want to sign up for the role of uh, CGI fan number 32, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm it's wondering a- if, if they'll do something like that, where they let people put their picture and put them in there. Yeah, maybe there's a niche market for, um, like, you pay to be visible. Like the uh, the Marlins guy that goes yeah. to all the games. Like, are we going to see him on every broadcast now? That'd be fun. No, you know, it's like- funny. That guy totally would pay to put his picture in there. Yeah, he'd be at he'd be at every game every week. That's kind of fun. I think pumping in the crowd noise makes sense to me, but the, doing the CGI fans doesn't necessarily. I think watching on TV, if you're just doing a tight shot on the field, it should be fine. What do you think? Well, but I think there's some points, you know, where they use that like overhead camera where they kind of get the got to get that wide shot. Mm-hmm. That's true. I just I think it's just it's so easy to you know virtually add fans in their form like it's not doesn't they're not drawing it's really easy to do but I think the crowd noise is interesting in that they have to have someone to regulate the noise right like if someone scores the touchdown they have the voices have to raise someone gets an inter right. like they can't just have monotone crowd noise the whole time well yeah and then also I guess I don't know how much is well I guess it would you have the home field advantage yes of like getting the crowd noise at like inopportune times and that that might be weird. I think an overhead shot, do you know where that uh, camera came from, that angle that kind of zooms in from the top? Please tell me you invented it. I invented it in 1986. <laughs> it didn't get implemented until the XFL. The XFL, oh. when they first oh. launched, they wanted that in-game experience, and the NFL stole or took that from them. So we have the Vince McMahon to thank for that camera angle. Wow, you are a wealth of knowledge. I know. I know so much about cameras and angles and what seat I want to sit in on the virtual stadium so 
1999 women's U.S. soccer team is in the headlines again, and they are one step closer to being a feature film. Netflix has just acquired the rights to the book by Jeri Longman, The Girls of Summer, the U.S. women's soccer team and how it changed the world. And while the U.S. won a title back in 91, that 99 team is largely credited with bringing a higher level of attention to the sport. I think it's pretty exciting. Do you, did you watch that run in 99? Come on. Andrew, are you kidding me? I'm the biggest women's soccer fan in the whole wide world. Of course I watched that run. Brandy Chastain, come on. Yeah, I remember that. I was in uh, Colorado. I was on vacation with my friend's family, and we watched all the games. Keystone, Colorado. Where, so, where were you then? <laughs> I was in kindergarten, Andrew. So, so you were in kindergarten in 99. Wow. Just kidding. Um, anyway. Here's what I want to know about this. Why did it take so long? This seems like a made-for-TV movie from Jump Street. Why did it take a gazillion years? I don't know. I think. I, I don't know. Stuff happens slowly and maybe just like with different news and the U.S. women's soccer team being in the headlines with their most recent World Cup victory. And I think it just takes the zeitgeist kind of follows what's going on and Hollywood tries to ride whatever wave they can. I mean, it seems like they could have made it immediately because it was such a storybook ending. Well, listen, you know, I'm always kind of torn with these things because, like, they're kind of dramatized. I watched right. the HBO documentary, Dare to Dream, which was about this team. It was like, I yeah. love documentaries, so, like, we get the real-life facts. I don't know what they – I mean, how they get to dramatize Brandy Chastain ripping off her shirt and seeing the sports bra and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I think it's a little too much. But nevertheless, I'm excited. I think you're right. I didn't – I mean, it's a great story, and it's going to be amazing. But it's such an iconic shot that when I watch an actress playing yeah. her doing that, it's going to be like, well, that's not how it happened. But uh, I don't know. They, they've found success in Hollywood with Rami Malek playing uh, Freddie Mercury, and he won an Academy Award. So maybe actresses, <laughs> if you look like Brandy Chastain, you might win an Oscar. Okay, here's the thing about that. I love that uh, the movie about Queen, but I didn't know like a lot of those details about Freddie Mercury. So I was watching, I was like, thought I was getting fact. I know everything about this women's soccer team. So that's, that's just where I'm kind of drawing the distinction there. Yeah. So it's going to be like watching that live was like reading the book and then watching the remake isn't as good. Well, right? okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's so like the Harry Potter books. You read those and the movie isn't as good. Kind of like when I read The Devil Wears Prada and I watched the Meryl Streep version and I was like, well, that's not how I imagined it. Hey, was this 1999? What I'm anxious to see is like in this dramatization again, like how people dressed in 1999. That's all I'm like, do we really dress like that in 1999? You think it's so cool in the time and you look back and it's like, oh, I don't know. <sighs> not cool. That was not cool. Jerry Seinfeld, whenever you watch Seinfeld reruns, like, oh, wow, we really dressed Ooh. like that. Yeah, Seinfeld is a good snapshot of what was not cool. And uh... <laughs> All right, Andrew, we're going to move on to golf. So okay. golf is going to start do, redoing or restarting up their PGA Tour. And so they're trying to figure out, like, once again, like everybody in the whole wide world, how do we do a real-life sporting event? So at the PGA's Memorial Tournament, which is, I think, the second or third start, on this tour. The first two, they're not going to have fans. They're going to try to do it at the PGA's Memorial, and they're going to use freight radio frequency identification chips in spectators. So if you're allowed to go to this tournament, you're going to get this badge, and it's going to be a chip, and they're going to track where the people are in the tournament, and if there's too many people at a particular spot, a marshal's going to come over and say, like, hey, you guys need to socially distant and, and move yourself and disperse. So that's how mm -hmm. they're going to allow people down to the first, like, golf tournament spectators will be allowed at. I mean, it kind of makes me think of a, like, just in a movie, you got the, the warden coming over yeah. during visiting hours. No touching. <laughs> I was 
<laughs> I mean, it does seem like some sort of dystopian world they're, they're working on. I agree with you. Right. Also, whoever's watching the monitor of the, the radio chips, it's like got to be some kind of looking like an Atari game because you have these little dots and they're just kind of <laughs> moving around. Like, that's the first thing I thought of when you told me that story. I'm like, and, oh, and, what, is that, what does that look like? And as soon as you mentioned that, I was totally like, I had like a Pac-Man sound bite in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think golf kind of seems like the most obvious sport to be able to do that because those courses are so big, you have the ability to have social distancing built in. I mean, well, this, this is going to be the first, potentially the first sport to reintroduce fans. Is that right? I kind of think that's so, you know, we talked about UFC already. There's no fans in those arenas. Uh, baseball's not going to have fans. So it might be kind of the first thing you're right. It might be the first sporting event to have fans at. I heard about this a little bit and they're saying that hand sanitizer will be widely available, which is great, but draft beer and fountain drinks will not be offered. Ooh. So I guess wear your boots and slip a flask in. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I sneak my boots in. You know, I mean, this is appropriate that it's going to be held. Um, I think it's, it's Ohio Fort or Worth. something like the Fort, No, the Fourth Worth is where they're going to have the first golf tournament. The but this, the, the, in, um, it's like, you know, they, they would never get away with this in California, right? They couldn't do this. They have to do something where the restrictions are a little bit looser. Right. Well, I'm excited. I would go. I'd go watch some golf. So that's the funny thing because I would not go. I would, there's no sporting event that could get me there where I could just watch it on TV. Why risk it? Well, you don't have to worry about risking it with the Little League World Series this oh. year. I know you like going, you're planning oh. to go to Nebraska, but oh. this is the first time in its 73 year history that the Little oh. League World Series will be happening. I mean, just to kind of think about it, they normally take 4,000 teams in about two months. They whittle it down to 16 to start this tournament. And just with everything getting pushed back and back, it's just they decided it wasn't going to make sense. And so there's going to be one this year. Is there nothing sacred to you, coronavirus? You now take our Little League World Series from us. Ah! <sighs> yeah, this, um, this is crushing. I got to tell you, I was awkward and clumsy, and I was not good at baseball growing up. So uh, after a few balls hit me in the face, I had to, I had to retire and focus on the, the less <laughs> make anybody, coordinated uh, sport of football. Everybody else, you focus on a list if you get hit in the face a couple of times. You know, yeah. um, our little league experience in our household this year was like um, someone brings you a big steak and they, uh, it's like perfect. You look at it, you get one bite and then they take it away. My, both my sons played little league and they literally got to play one game. They were all excited. They got the bat da, 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 and they're looking for the whole season and then they canceled it. Uh, it was like, here's a little taste. Goodbye, baseball. Goodbye. Yeah. I guess to give a nod to the people that made this call and we look at the numbers, Generally, there's about 300,000 people that attend this event over 10 days, which is interesting. It's 10 times the population of Williamsport normally. It's about 6,000 times the size of the CDC recommended maximum gathering size of 50. So, I mean, when you look at the numbers, it kind of seems like a no-brainer, but still, I'm sad that I'm not going to randomly land on the Little League World Series on a weekend. Today we're joined by Jerry Longman. He's a reporter for the New York Times. 
you covered an infamous Orioles White Sox game back in 2015 where they played without fans and which seems like by all accounts was a strange experience and now with the MLB and other sports talking about starting or restarting their seasons without fans that game could be considered an interesting test subject what are you seeing and are people going to be willing to watch sports without fans moving forward yeah you know I I think definitely at the beginning I think right everybody is there's such a pent-up demand to watch something live that I, I think at the beginning, according to the TV experts I've talked to, you might even see a bump in the actual viewer. But my experience from that day and, and some polling shows that devoted sports fans, there's a poll at Seton Hall University that, that said that Americans in general will watch you know, live sports without fans in the stands. But that in that same poll, one out of five or 20% of of uh, respondents who considered themselves devoted sports fans said they would be less interested to watch sports without, you know, anyone in the stand. So um, I think that's probably accurate. I think, I mean, for me, I mean, so that day, I, it was uh, April 29th, 2015, uh, White Sox played the Orioles. And it's, it's just such an eerie thing that home run was hit. There was no one to chase down the ball and give it to an excited child, you know, or, or a foul ball even. And it was so quiet and strange. You could hear the uh, phones ringing in the bullpen 400 feet away from the, uh, from the dugouts. And some of the players could hear, you know, even the television announcer talking. So uh, it was just an eerie kind of sense of absence. And I think that will strike fans as they, begin to watch a game because I think the fans in, a, in the stands are, are necessary surrogates. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, provide the jersey wearing pageantry, the sort of painted face tribalism. They provide, provide um, energy for the viewers, adrenaline for the players, their responses of joy or despair sort of mirror and trigger our responses. Their voices become our soundtrack you know, rising in anticipation, erupting in joy or or, uh, despair. I was thinking about you yesterday. I was watching the last dance and they were talking about the dream team. And all those guys were saying one of the best games they ever played was one of the practices when they got over to Spain. But even that was, it was hard to, to me when I saw that and I'm thinking, hmm, this, you know, it's sort of if the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, 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 it (laughs) that right I mean it's like that was great and everything but there was no one there to validate it so like my whole thing is like go back and watch Tiger Woods' impossible chip shot on the 16th green on the last day of the 2005 Masters he hits this impossible shot that off onto the green like 25 feet above the hole and then it just starts rolling towards the flag and so imagine that without a a gallery versus what really happened. So the ball's rolling really slowly, slowly towards the flag. And then the, the gallery realizes, hell, it might go in. So you can hear their voices rising in anticipation. And then if you remember, the ball just stopped at the lip of the cup where you, you could see the Nike swoosh on the ball. Yeah. And the people just started, you know, beseeching, like, get in, get in, get in. And then it went in. And then the crowd, just the release of joy and everything. And that elevated and you know tiger the fist pumping to the crowd and everything and so that the crowd elevated his greatness beyond just the clinical ability to hit a golf shot right which which is different from maybe the greatest basketball game ever played was a practice that nobody saw right and so it's 
you know, it's just like, well, how, how do you, you know, you don't have any, you need fans to validate and to confirm and to verify, I think. You know, there's that scene in Hoosiers where Gene Hackman's character goes and measures the uh, rim in an empty yes. stadium and says like, hey, a stadium's just a stadium, doesn't matter where it is, sort of alluding to that. You know, it's an empty stadium. How will like the energy of no fans there affect the actual game, you think? Well, uh, so the, the Orioles catcher that day was a, um, a guy named Caleb Joseph, who brought some humor to the moment. He was like giving uh, imaginary high fives and signing, you know, imaginary autographs. But he um, recently, he's with Toronto now, and he told a um, reporter for The Athletic during spring training that he cannot imagine having to play another game without being caffeinated by the fans. And he, he compared <laughs> it to... Uh, a withdrawal from coffee saying, you know, you're accustomed to having this energy, playing with this energy, and then it's all of a sudden it's gone. So it, it, I think it was, a, it was jarring for the players, I think, after doing this for weeks and months. I think it's interesting that a lot of players have to, like, train their minds to focus, to tune out the fans. And then once you're so tuned into that, like you're saying, there's a withdrawal. It's jarring to have to experience it without. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think when you're playing with the fans, it's sort of a natural tuning out. You just you're so concentrated, right, on, mm -hmm. on that you really you don't really hear the fans. But when they're gone, you hear everything. Like this, Caleb Joseph said that he could hear the Orioles uh, television announcers. <laughs> so while he was while he was playing, so he said he had this this really strange experience of feeling like he was in the game and watching it at the same time. And listening to it at the same time so yeah it's a it'll be a strange and especially in baseball which is you know it's basically like duck hunting with a scoreboard you're standing around all day waiting for something to go in the air and then you know you rush to to, to do it so I, I think in baseball it would be even more jarring than maybe other sports um, yeah have you thought about it across the board i know nascar is restarting this week i i don't think that's going to affect the drivers but do you think it's going to affect the experience of people watching on TV, not having people in the stands? You know, maybe less than other sports because you can tightly keep your, you know, camera angles on the track and that kind of sure. stuff. Um, and the same with like curling, right? Curling has no <laughs> fans and yet people are amazed by it at the Olympics. You know, you, um, part of the piece that you wrote in the New York Times about that game was because there was violence in Baltimore, that's why they didn't have fans in the stadium. And part of your piece talks about that game being a distraction so people can get their minds off it. I mean, I've talked about my wife's emotions so much over the last six weeks. I need a distraction. I mean, do you think this is a good idea for sports to get going so that it distracts us, or is the health risk too much? Well, you know, I guess that's uh, – I mean, I'm not a doctor, so but, but it seems to me – I mean, I, I think Gene Smith, the uh, athletic director at Ohio State, said something that's, that rung true with me uh, last month. He said, you know, if we don't think it's safe enough for the uh, fans to be in the stands, why would we think it would be safe <laughs> enough for players to be playing when they're, you know, breathing and sweating all over two hours and have, you know, the whole point of the sport is to have no social distancing, right? Now that all these states are opening up, we don't have a lot of we don't have necessary testing according to a lot of medical personnel. So how do we know how widespread this is? And you know, you're right. starting to see some athletes. One of the Red Sox pitchers said, "You know, you you can't ask people to be taking their life in their hands and and transmitting this to somebody else." So I, Sergio Aguero, uh, Argentine soccer player from Manchester City, said the same thing. A lot of players are scared. So I, you know, it'll it's. 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You, you know, you've written for the New York Times for sports for, you know, over 20 years. I'm wondering, can you know, and you've seen the backside of water, you know, these athletes, you know, the owners. Can you ever just sit down and watch a sport now and not be jaded? Yes. So I, um, yeah, so I, I, I love to watch basketball, soccer, track and field. Yeah, sure. It's, uh, I mean, you, the one thing that happens as, as a reporter, so the, the number one commandment basically of sports writing is no cheering in the press box. So you, you quickly learn the emotion is leached out of you. So you, I can watch it and enjoy it without, but I don't get really, you know, emotionally caught up. So for instance, I went to LSU, my family, my mother and my sister are just fanatical LSU fans. So my sister, this is a true story. My sister pours holy water on her television every time she plays, just in case, you know, in case the Tigers get into trouble. Although, as my mother says, divine intervention seldom works against Alabama. So, but I like, I watched, I watch their games, but I don't get emotionally involved. So I, I guess that's, yeah, I can definitely watch the sports. I just don't, just don't really stand up and, you know, and cheer. I just, that, that's kind of leached out of you as a reporter. This is a highly subjective question, but as someone that went to LSU, can you think of any other sports team in America that has more fanatical fans than LSU? I mean, I have a cousin who didn't go to LSU. He's from Louisiana and had an LSU-themed wedding. I think LSU football in Louisiana is the craziest thing I've ever seen, and, and I've been to A&M games, University of Tennessee. I, I haven't seen anything like it. Have you? Uh, yeah, uh, I would say, although here's another distinguishing thing about LSU. They're the only fans that I know that barbecue the opposing team's mascots. So when they play Florida, somebody will barbecue an alligator, or they play Arkansas, somebody will be barbecuing a Razorback. Uh, so there is a, I think the tailgating may distinguish LSU from everybody else. But, you know, I, I actually, I have lived in, I work in New York, but I've lived in Philadelphia for almost 40 years. And their fans are, are just as consumed as LSU fans, the same sort of, you know, living and dying with the team, that kind of thing. Um, although it's, you know, here it's more, obviously it's more with the professional teams than college teams. Before you leave, um, I bet I went back through your headlines for the Times over the last 20 years, and I have your headlines, and I want to read you like the the first three words and see if you can finish the headline. Would you mind playing that? Uh, I might. Yeah, maybe I can remember the story. I'm not sure about the headline though. Okay, here it is. Here's your first one. If the town clears out, it must be squirrel season. Oh, Bill Platt, Louisiana. Yes. 10 miles from where I grew up. All right. Here's another uh, one. A dog named Cactus is. Oh, so Cactus was a dog who was leading the, the marathon to Saab, the six day marathon in the Sahara desert. I don't remember exactly what the headline was a dog named cactus is dominating a race through the yeah. desert uh, one more for you here's the last one marathon training for aging dummies yes <laughs> very nice <Myself>. <laughs> <laughs> so i ran the new york marathon at 65 uh, and wasn't it wasn't the smartest thing i ever did last uh, <laughs> i have to an addendum to this poor cactus got hit by a car about a month or two ago unfortunately he died but he was this amazing dog uh, a nomad dog in the Sahara in uh, in uh, Morocco. It's, they they run a six day marathon there every every year. And this dog just showed up after like two days or something, and then ran the rest of the way. He he and he was incredible. Just an amazing dog. Unfortunately, he got struck by a car. It's kind of a bummer way to end the interview, but I guess we'll take it. <laughs> Nevertheless, we are humbled that you would come on our show. Uh, I continued success. I love reading your stuff in the New York Times. Thanks for just a couple of minutes on the future of what sports will actually kind of look like. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. 
This is Sports Best, the best of sports. Thank you again to Jerry Longman. If you like the show, please share it with a friend or family member so they can catch up on the best of sports. Until next week, we will be scouring the world of sports to bring you all of the sports best.